Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I had to learn how to make sure that I wasn't overspending, rein my desires in, and ultimately learn to spend on what is most important to me and cut out the rest. Because before I was spending on anything and everything and I could not identify what was most important to me. Everything was important. So by cutting back, I was able to decide, okay, well, what do I really want to spend money on? Because I don't need everything. What is it that I really want? How can I make sure I prioritize spending money on that? And what I've wanted to spend money on has changed over time. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to Yo Quiero Dinero. This is your host, Janice, and today's episode is episode 106, 
Why You Need a Budget with Allison Baggerly of Inspired Budget. Allison is a blogger, influencer, and founder of Inspired Budget. As a teacher and small business owner, Allison combined her passion for teaching and finances to help others learn how to start budgeting. Allison and her husband paid off over $111,000 of debt on two teacher salaries while growing their family. Since starting Inspired Budget in 2017, Allison has been able to retire as a teacher and take her desire to help others full-time. Now she's helping women all over the world get started with budgeting when they feel lost and overwhelmed. She's built an amazing community of over 120,000 Instagram followers that turn to her for budgeting advice and inspiration to save more than they ever imagined. In this episode, Allison and I talk about teaching and learning about money with compassion instead of shame and guilt, how expecting a child kickstarted her and her husband's financial journey, budgeting basics, especially for those who like to spend, how social media can help you on your financial journey, and the struggles of balancing a side hustle and your career, and what actually made her make the decision to take this full-time. This episode is not only for budgeters, but it's also for aspiring entrepreneurs who are trying to do it all, y'all. I understand completely what it's like to start a side hustle and have the vision for it and be able to turn it into a full-time gig. It's not easy. And Allison has a really poignant story about how she knew that she had to make this work. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Allison, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Oh, and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for allowing me to join you today. For sure. You are a new podcaster, so congratulations mm -hmm. on that. Tell us who you are. Introduce yourself to the audience. Oh, my name is Allison Packerly. I'm the founder of Inspire Budget. I started Inspire Budget really whenever my husband and I paid off a ton of debt on two teacher salaries. And during that process, I realized that I had a passion for budgeting. I learned this new passion, which I never thought I would enjoy personal finances. And I couldn't stop talking about it. I couldn't stop talking about personal finance to all of my friends and family. And finally, one day, my cousin-in-law just said, we're done hearing about it. Stop. You, <laughs> you're continuing to talk to us about us. We don't want to hear about it anymore. Take it somewhere else. And I started Inspire Budget where I get to truly help women take back control of their finances. They feel maybe like they're living paycheck to paycheck, like they have no idea what they're doing because no one ever sat down to teach them. 
it allows me to work with these women and teaching is my skill set. I was a teacher for 10 years. So it's combined my skill set of teaching and my passion for personal finance and put them together. I knew you were a teacher because of how empathetic you come out with when you're talking about money, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much in the sphere that is about shame and guilt and negativity and just making people feel like absolute shit about the fact that they don't know any of these things. And so that's what's kind of stuck out about you for me is just that you take the complete opposite approach. You're just mm-hmm. like, yes, we didn't learn about this. Welcome to the party because nobody's mm-hmm. learning about this. Now let's get past the baggage and actually talk about like why we should do this in a way that's like super mm-hmm. approachable. So thank you for being a very yeah. um, different vibe in the space. <laughs> well, and and that was one thing, like when I first got started, I followed Dave Ramsey and I was um. like, why do I feel like shit about myself all the time? <laughs> why do I feel like I'm a terrible person and I'm dumb and I'm stupid? And I realized it's because those were the voices I was following. And I realized that, hey, and really, truly, my mom helped me realize like, you're not dumb for having made these life choices because you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Mm. And that's the thing. I took out a ton of student loan debt. I used it for things other than student loans. We were not smart with our money. And it's not because I was sitting there thinking, ha, 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 I want to live this life where I don't ever build wealth. It was because I wasn't aware. And once you're aware, you can let go of all of those past money choices and move forward. And that's what I did. And that's what I want to help other women do. Yes, I love that. Okay, so let's go back in history. Let's go back in time. I want to know about little Allison, what she did or didn't learn about money growing up. What was the vibe around money when Mm -hmm. you were growing up? And how did that influence you as an adult? I always think that perception is reality. And I think now that I know, now that I'm older, I realize that my perception of our life when it comes to money in my childhood might have been different than the reality, but I was a child. And so my perception was that money was very scarce where money wasn't scarce. You know, there were job losses in and out of job losses and there were periods of time. There were seasons where money was scarce, but for some reason I hung on to that perception and I let it be my reality for my entire childhood. So there were arguments about money. I mean, you know, whenever Whenever anyone loses a job, whenever there's struggle financially in a family, there's going to be tension around it. And I held on to that. I clung to that. And what it did as an adult was it caused me to be very uptight about my money and very controlling, especially in my marriage. I wanted to have know exactly every single thing, what was happening, what was going on. I wanted to call the shots because my perception of my childhood was it was a huge struggle, which I know now, you know, just from an adult that there's privilege there. And maybe it wasn't as much of a struggle as little Allison made it out to be. But still, that perception caused me to kind of have these issues as an adult. But thankfully, I have a husband who's very laid back and doesn't let me necessarily take control of everything. But allows me to maybe feel like I have control of most everything. (laughs) And sometimes that's all you need. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So let's talk about your career and how you got to where you are today. So you said you started off as a teacher. Were you teaching math or were you teaching money or what were you teaching? You know, I remember in college, I took a math class and I thought I will never teach about math (laughs) ever, ever. And here's the, here's the, the interesting thing is I ended up being a math teacher, an elementary school math teacher, and I was a very good math teacher because I had the empathy because I knew what it was like to struggle in math. I struggled all my life in math and I knew where misconceptions 
could lie, what, lie because I understand why you're confused because it's confusing. And so I feel like the same thing is true with money. You know, my husband and I got married, got pregnant on our honeymoon and realized we couldn't afford daycare payments. So something had to change. And it was in the learning process that I thought, I, I hate this. I cannot stand it. And I grew to love it. And all of the misconceptions people have about budgeting, all of the beliefs they tell themselves, all of the lies they tell themselves, I told myself that same thing. So when I'm talking to a woman and she's telling me I'll be in debt forever, I'm like, I know that's how you feel, but that's not the truth. And so it allows me to really understand where people are coming from. Got it. Okay. So I'm curious, what was your situation like financially when you came upon Dave Ramsey and figured, mm, this might be the solution for my problems? Right. So I actually like grabbed his book years before I started my money journey. I was in a half-price bookstore. I grabbed his book. I was like, this looks like something an adult would read. It has an old white man. Like, isn't this what, you know, like, seems like it's the right, right thing to do. And I got it. I never read it. And then when my husband and I were sitting at the kitchen counter, we realized we were pregnant. I was 24 years old. We didn't have leftover and any money left over at the end of the month to be able to pay for daycare. So we knew, okay, we have nine months or really like eight months to figure out how to free up $800 cash flow every month to be able to pay for daycare on two teachers. That was our thing. So we did read. I was like, well, I grabbed this book several years ago. You know, let's read it. And we read it. And there were things that I was like, no, I can't. Like, I just, I don't like what you're saying. Like the $1,000 emergency fund. I was like, and it was 2011 or 2012. I was like, this just doesn't sit right with me. There were things he was saying and doing that didn't sit right with me. But I also didn't know where else to go to. There was no Instagram. You know, there I I didn't know. I remember Googling different things. I started listening to Farnoosh Tarabi's podcast for inspiration and slowly kind of moved away from Dave Ramsey as I started to learn and be able to make decisions for myself. Because in the beginning, I was this sponge and I was soaking everything up. And I think that that's good, but I also think that can be harmful because thankfully, I had enough sense to be able to say, you know what, I don't really like... X, Y, and Z about what this person is saying. Let me go and research other things, hear what other people have to say about this and develop my own way of doing things that will work for us instead of just blindly following this plan. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to decide to start Inspired Budget after we did pay off that debt. It led me to following different people and ultimately kind of breaking away from that initial influence. I knew enough about myself and the way I want to be treated, right? And the way I should be treated by even people that are giving me advice. I knew enough about myself and I knew that there were other options out there that I wanted to learn about. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's talk about the debt and let's talk about how you began to implement that budget that would allow you to free up mm -hmm. that large amount of money in order to afford daycare. So how much debt did you have? Where did it come from? And then Walk us through the process of setting up your budget. What did you discover about how you were dealing with money and how did that change as you went along this process? Oh my gosh, that's a that's a lot. So um, we had $111,108.29 of debt combined on two teacher salaries. So we were making about $80,000 combined, maybe like eighty-five dollars combined, and we needed to free up $800. That was our goal. So our minimum debt payments were $1,400 a month. So we said, okay, if we can look at our debt and try to tackle some of it between 
getting rid of some of our debt, which was mostly student loans and then car loans. My husband paid off credit card debt before we got married or right when we got married. And so we didn't have any credit card debt in the marriage. But if we can do that, then we can between living on a budget and cutting back and getting rid of some of those monthly minimum payments, we can free up $800. And then once we free up $800, we'll figure out what to do from there, right? Because that was my thing. Like we've got to, we have this much time to do this, this task. And it started with writing a budget for me. Writing a budget because I am a spender. I love to spend money. It is my love language. I love gift giving. I love giving other people gifts. I don't like to receive I want to give gifts. It's very much my love language. And I love to spend money. Just the, oh, the moment when you walk through the doors of a store and you just feel like the lights, you know, just like the heavens <laughs> shine down. And it's just like your oyster. I just, I love it. I love spending money. Um, so I had to learn how to make sure that I wasn't overspending, rein my desires in, and ultimately learn to spend on what is most important to me and cut out the rest. Because before I was spending on anything and everything and I could not identify what was most important to me. Everything was important. So by cutting back, I was able to decide, okay, well, what do I really want to spend money on? Because I don't need everything. What is it that I really want? How can I make sure I prioritize spending money on that? And what I've wanted to spend money on has changed over time. It is completely different than what I wanted 10 years ago. And I give myself the okay for to make changes in what I want and what I'm working towards. That's such an important thing. And especially when you're tackling such a large amount of debt, like mm-hmm. celebrating those milestones yes. and rewarding yourself is essential to stay motivated, I think. Oh, yes. I mean, it took us four and a half years. To me, Looking back, I'm like, oh, it wasn't that long. But when you're in the moment, yes, it is freaking long and it is treacherous and you want to quit, you want to stop. And then when you're done, it's like every, I feel like people that pay off debt, sometimes they forget what it feels like in those moments where you're having the FOMO, where you feel like you get nothing, which is why it's important to allow yourself to have spending money, to allow yourself to take little mini vacations. If that's what's important to you, make sure you're doing it because who wants to live this life miserably? Yeah, But you can still live a full life, live on a budget, pay off debt, invest, and do everything. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about the struggle, right? Because that four-year period can feel, I'm sure, like, oh my God, when is this going to be over? Mm -hmm. How did you stay motivated? And what was maybe like a mistake that you made in your journey? Because we we never get it right the first time. Oh, no, we never do. One of the mistakes I made was I wrote a, I would write budgets that looked completely perfect on paper, but did not match my life at all. I mean, here's the truth. I don't like to cook. I know you have a cooking blog. I do have something going for me when it comes to staying on budget. Yes. (laughs) So you have that. I don't like to. So I would make plans to only spend $50 in one month on restaurants. And we would blow it within the first five days because that's just, it just doesn't match my life. It doesn't match my personality. And I, if I continue to write budgets like that, I would continue to fail. And if I continue to fail, I would say, this isn't for me. This is just, I'm just always going to live in debt. I'm a teacher. I will never be able to build wealth. I'll just never have anything nice. Those continuous failures would have led to that. But instead I decided, hey, maybe some people think that I shouldn't be eating $150 a month 
um, restaurants in a month while I'm trying to pay off debt. But I don't care what you think, because if it means that I'm going to be successful, then it's what I'm going to do. So one of the biggest mistakes was initially writing budgets that looked perfect for a completely different person and didn't match me and didn't match (laughs) our family. And once we could get that right, we were able to make progress. But yeah, four and a half years is hard. And it was very easy to get, become unmotivated, especially as teachers in the summer. We opted not to go on grand vacations even because travel wasn't important at the time. Now I love travel. But we opted not to do that. And it could be it was very hard to see other people doing things, buying a house when maybe I wanted to buy a house, having beautiful home decor when that's what I wanted. And there were a couple of things I did. I used to, when I felt really down, I would go on walks and I would listen to so many. I would literally just be like, okay, I, I need a different, I need like this, this mental check and I need to just listen to something that is telling me different than what social media is telling me. So I would do that. We would listen to podcasts to help us. Sometimes I would d- read different books, but sometimes I would just talk to my mom. Just having someone there that was encouraging and could say, you know what, what you're doing, you're doing this now, but it won't be like this forever. Because what I didn't realize in that moment was that I was in just this season of my life. The season felt permanent, but it was simply just this season, this four and a half year season of my life. And hopefully, right, this long span of my life where we did make some sacrifices that other people thought were wild and over the top. But we made certain sacrifices so that we could live the rest of our life in abundance and building Mm -hmm. abundance. And so I had to have someone else when I could no longer remind myself it was a season. I needed someone else to remind me this is just a season. This is not your forever. Yeah, that that's so important. And I think mm-hmm. like just having people that understand the journey that you're on is so important mm-hmm. because you will feel that constant pressure to say yeah. yes to all the things, mm-hmm. even if they are not aligned with like what you're currently doing. So what advice do you have for people who are feeling like all that pressure from all different sides of competing mm-hmm. interests that if they fall victim to it, it's going to, you know, extend the pain, if you will. As a business coach, one of the things that I tell my students is that they need to outsource because Lord knows we can't do it all, y'all. And I am no exception. Whenever I'm looking for talent to help me figure out how to edit a podcast or make a change to my website, you know, there is value in like trying to do things yourself. But at some point, you just got to say, I got to call in the professionals. And so when I'm looking for quality and qualified talent for my business, I use Fiverr. Fiverr is an online marketplace that is changing how the world works together. Their platform connects businesses like mine with on-demand freelance talent offering digital services in more than 400 categories, including graphic design, digital marketing, programming, video, animation, and more. I have had logos designed on Fiverr, My podcast is edited on Fiverr. I mean, the list goes on and on. Whatever you need, Fiverr has the solution. Find any service in under five minutes. Fiverr connects you with professionals that get the job done quickly to your specifications and at the right price. In fact, prices start at just $5. If you want to find out more about Fiverr and how they can help you make your business even more efficient, 
visit YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash Fiverr, that's F-I-V-E-R-R, and start doing more today. Visit YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash Fiverr to find out more. Right. So first, I just want you to know you're not alone. When you feel that way, when you feel like everything is pulling at your attention, that is the world doing its job. Advertisers are being successful. So sometimes I like to see it as, oh no, you're not winning today, Ulta. I win today, right? So you can see it as that. See it as this is just the world's job to pull me sometimes away from my goals because it is, I mean, you think that's all marketing is, is distracting you from your other purchases, your other, your other, anything else that you're doing with your money. So first thing like that and realize that this is normal. You are normal. And then to give yourself grace when you do mess up, because it's not like we stayed on a budget perfectly all of these years, but I also didn't get down on myself, name call myself, put shame on myself when we did ultimately mess up because we are human. So I would say, don't sit in the feeling of doubt and uncertainty and mistakes. When you make those mistakes, don't sit in that place. Accept it. Say, I made my choice. However, I have the choice now to make a different choice in the future, to learn from it and move on. And then I would say that, like you said, surrounding yourself with people is so important. Sometimes none of our in-person family, friends, people we know and have in our phones, their contacts, sometimes none of them understand. And sometimes what you're talking to about them might make them uncomfortable because they realize that maybe there's something they need to be doing different and maybe they're not ready to do that. One of the great things about social media is you can find people. You can find people that are on this journey with you. You can listen. There's so many podcasts, so many amazing podcasts you can listen to, so many ways where you can seek some sort of accountability outside of your friends and family. Because sometimes we need to remove ourselves from our friends and family to do things that benefit our friends and family. Mm, mm. Like Ooh, You guys got to re- rewind that part, okay? <laughs> rewind that part because that was a freaking gem. Right. It's like, you know, you can still love the people around Mm -hmm. you, but also understand that for the season that you're in, not the best influence doesn't mean they have Mm -hmm. to go away. It just means you have to curate your environment to allow you to be successful. Yes. And same thing. Like I hear I talk to a lot of people who have spouses that are not on board and I always tell them you don't need a husband to be on board to write a budget. You do not need, like, you do not need his permission. You do not need their permission. But sometimes you have to do things for you without their support sometimes for them to realize, oh my gosh, what you're doing is working. I now want to be on board. And don't feel guilty for that. Do not feel guilty for doing things that are going to benefit you, your family, and your life. It's so true. And it reminds me a lot of like the weight loss journey. Like everybody wants to find out like, how did you lose 25 pounds? Mm -hmm. But then when you explain to them, oh, like it took a lot. Like I had to restrict my calories. I had to change my diet. I had to exercise. Then they're just like, oh. Oh. Uh. (laughs) Is there something else? Is there a pill I can take? (laughs) Right. And it doesn't work like that, y'all. With money, with health, with Mm -hmm. fitness, like with building wealth, it takes time. It takes discipline. And it's going to take starts and stops and messing up and trying things until you find the right formula that works for you. And I think what stresses a lot of people out about budgeting is this idea that there's only one way to do it. I thought that for the longest time that like if I couldn't embrace the zero based budget, I was destined Mm -hmm. to fail. And it just wasn't (laughs) aligned with my personality that way to budget. But I did find 
a different method for me. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about like what are some of the more common options that exist so that people know that it's not just a one size fits all approach? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so many different ways to write a budget. And that's one of the things like you are a unique individual. You're if you have a family, you are a unique family. You're going to get paid different amounts on different timetables, sometimes different amounts varying every single paycheck. What makes you think we need this cookie cutter version that is going to work for everyone? That is nonsense. So yes, you have to find a unique way to do things. And sometimes that looks like using for me, I love paper and pencil. I love paper and pencil. I budget per paycheck. It is the way that it works for me. However, other people want to use an Excel spreadsheet. Other people just want to use different checking accounts to separate their money. I think it's so important to realize that if you try one way and it doesn't work, let's say you try my way and it doesn't work, it does not mean that you are bad at budgeting. It means that that method didn't align with you. And ultimately, like, that should be a, like, celebration. Okay, great. We've checked that one off, tried it. Let's move on to the next one because that means you're getting closer to finding what works for you. And that's totally okay. Yeah. So what does that look like from a your, you know, individual experience? Like, writing things down for me, I feel like I will lose that piece of paper. Oh. How do you actually stay on budget? And how do you go throughout the month and, like, check things off and, and things like that? I personally write it down more than once because I I don't know, something about if I physically write it, it sticks more for me. My husband, that's not how he works. That is not how he works. But I write a budget. We get paid every two weeks. 
I write a budget and it usually goes on the fridge because I want my kids to see a budget. I want them to see, okay, here's what we have going on. Here's how much spending money we have, all those types of things. I don't want to hide anything from them. I want them to see what it looks like in action. But we also track our spending. I've been using the same program for probably 11 years to track our spending down to the penny. So that way I always know exactly how much we have. And that comes from one time in college, I was <laughs> grocery shopping and I had checked my bank account earlier that morning and I was like, oh, $400, I'm good. Well, what I didn't know was a couple hours later, my rent check would clear. So I went to the grocery store and I did the walk of shame where you leave all your groceries at the <laughs> at the counter because you got denied three times with your debit card only to realize that my rent check had cleared and I realized I have no idea the moving parts of my money. I need to know the moving parts in and out. And so tracking my spending allows me to know the moving parts, but tracking your spending is different than budgeting. Tracking your spending allows you to know your money in detail. Budgeting allows you to know where your money is going and what it is doing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That, that's an important thing that you mentioned because I think mm -hmm. a lot of people have this idea that, yes, I'm just going to allocate X amount of money for these categories and then they never check back in with it and then yes. they go to reconcile the budget that mm -hmm. they didn't actually track and then they're like, oh, well, there was I didn't stick to this at all. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so I write out a budget. I stick it on the fridge and I'm going to tell you probably about 99% of the time something happens. Something went wrong. We go wrong somewhere. And so I love writing mini budgets. And this can be done even just on a sticky note. I write out how much money I have left in my account, how many days until payday, and I just allocate that money. I give every, I'll say, okay, here's how much we need to spend on gas. We need to fill up our tank one time for each car. Here's how much we need to spend in groceries. And I'm able to not wait until the next payday to get back on track. And instead, realize, hey, I'm going to get off track because money is emotional. I am human and there's lots of unexpected things in life. So I'm going to anticipate getting off track. I can write a mini budget to get back on track. And then I'm not wasting days where I just live life recklessly with abandon and then realize that maybe I went into debt. I put too much on the credit card and having to dig myself out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm curious, were you guys investing while you were paying off debt? Such a great question. And, <laughs> you know, we were introduced to Dave Ramsey. So guess what the answer is? <laughs> I'm going to say no. Yes. So we were not. Now, we were two teachers, so we had pensions. Like, we couldn't touch that. It was required. So we were investing into our pensions. But with a Texas teacher's pension, you have no say in what that money does or where it goes. So really, you know, it's just taken out of your account and put away. We were not investing, unfortunately. We did start soon after, I would say about probably about six months after we became debt-free, we started investing. So we started investing when I was about 28 right before I was 29. And um, we okay. opened up two Roth IRAs, all of that. But now we are diving deeper into investing or investing in index funds. And I know a lot of people will say I started too late. I feel like I started too late personally, but I feel like no matter what age you are, you can feel like you started too late. And oh, yeah. I don't feel like the reason why people feel that way is because they actually did start too late because it's math, right? You could always try your best to make it up, you know, especially if you're starting at 28 like I did. I feel like we feel that way 
because we have knowledge now that we didn't have before. And the knowledge that we have about investing, about compound interest, about index funds, about the stock market, we realized there was a lack of knowledge before. So we automatically feel like we started too late. Yeah. That's such an important point and a perspective mm-hmm. that I hadn't thought about. But yeah, it's like yeah. they say hindsight is twenty twenty. So then you mm-hmm. start thinking about like, oh, well, if I just known this when I was like 18 years mm-hmm. old, I would have been exactly. a millionaire by 30 and I could retire. But exactly. it's like, what is the, there is no purpose. That is not a useful exercise. No, it's not. And that's what I was doing. I was 28 years old. I had this business and I'm thinking, why did I start so late? But it wasn't, it was just that I didn't know. I wasn't taking time to learn. honesty, it was a lack of knowledge. But where do you get the knowledge? You can read books, but so often now it comes from social media. People putting out little small tidbits to pique your interest, to get you to be willing to learn. So that's where I feel like a lot of people, when they say that, I'm starting too late, I'm behind, it's because now they know what maybe, and they think I should have done this sooner. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are are you still a teacher? I'm not. I'm okay, not let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about the transition from, you know, creating this passion project, if you will, mm-hmm. the inspired budget to making it a business. Even when I was a teacher, I taught for 10 years in elementary school. By every February, I was Googling, what can I do with a teaching degree? That's not a te- I mean, every February, I kid you not, it was like clockwork, right around standardized testing. I would start Googling because I knew, I always knew there was something different, but I could never put my finger on it because I was very talented teacher. I was very good at what I was doing. Um, very great at connecting with kids and, and frankly, getting them to pass the stupid test, right? I was good at teaching them. I always felt like there was something missing. So we pay off all of our debt. I'm still passionate about this. My cousin says, hey, Allison, we're done talking about this at family reunions. Every Easter, this is what you have to say. Shut up. And you need to go start a business. So she actually has an online business, a very successful one. And she kind of guided me along the way about a domain. And I said to myself, okay, I'm going to start this. And I know it's going to be hard because I have a full-time job and I'm doing this on the side. I said, I'm giving myself five years, five years to replace my teaching income and do Inspire Budget full-time. Because once I started, I knew, I knew this is what I was Googling every February for years. Like this was the answer to what I was always didn't know. I used to always say, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And now I know. And so it took me two years. I was able to leave teaching two years after I started my business. And I transitioned it by, I had a quit teaching fund. All of my income minus my expenses and my taxes would go into this quit teaching fund. And I had money to be able to pay myself in case something went wrong. And we left. I mean, I left. My husband said, you know what? I think it's time. We went through some struggles in our marriage and it was really, you know, I was really not dedicating a lot of time to my family and my marriage and I could feel it. And I knew I got to a point where I said, I either need to quit teaching or I need to quit this business because I can't, I can't do both anymore. My health had declined. Mm. My relationships had declined. I mean, just in all honesty, like it was not an easy road. Something was going to fail. If I continued on the way I was going something was going to fail. And so I said, you know what? I'm done with teaching. And I never looked back. It's been wonderful. And everything's like, everything changed. Everything shifted after that moment. I appreciate you getting really real about the sacrifices Mm -hmm. and the struggles that are part of this, because I don't think enough people talk about that. 
And yes, like your relationships will suffer if you are working Mm -hmm. a demanding job like teaching and then coming home and spending Mm -hmm. X amount of hours building your business, neglecting your family, like neglecting your health. Mm -hmm. That is just a part of it. But Mm -hmm. if you don't have an exit plan, that's when things just spiral out of control, right? Yes. I really wish more people did talk about it because I always felt like something was wrong with me. I'll never forget when I was leaving Target, no, not Target, Kroger. And I had my oldest son who was maybe six at the time. I had just gotten back from a conference uh, and, you know, and I was working a lot. I was working until five o'clock as a teacher and I would come home and I'd spend two hours with my family and I'd work from seven to 11. It was too much. And I remember him saying, why do you have to work all the time? Why are you always gone? And mm. I felt like my heart just broke on the Kroger parking lot floor. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just, and I just thought, am I doing it right? Like, am I doing, am I really messing this up? Yeah. Is this, am I alone here? Yeah. And I put him to bed that night and I thought, I am not going to let him look back and say, my mom was a failure. Mm. I am not going to let him look back and say, she, abandoned us for this job. I said, I'm going to make it work so I can leave behind me what I didn't want to be doing. And so that I can drop him off at school, walk and pick him up every day from school, be there to go on field trips, be there more flexible life for him. Mm. So in that moment, when he unknowingly was calling me out on some of my biggest insecurities as a mother, I made it my mission to know that what I was doing was ultimately for him and that that sacrifice was seasonal, just like paying off debt and sacrificing Mm. there is seasonal, just like doing anything in your life that will eventually better yourself so that you can build wealth, so that you can live a life that you want of freedom. That's what I was doing for that period of time. And to say that it wasn't worth it would be a lie. It was worth it because now I have that freedom. Absolutely. That is so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I could feel the emotions in you. Like, I can't even imagine what it's like to Mm -hmm. be confronted with that because a child will be honest with you when adults Mm -hmm. will not, right? Yes. Um, Yes. (laughs) And that's why we love them. (laughs) And sometimes why they're annoying. (laughs) Right. I love the fact that you touch on like the whole purpose behind paying off debt and and starting a business and like buying back your Mm -hmm. time is about that freedom. It's about not letting your past decisions control what your future looks like, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we talked about the importance of getting out of debt, of building wealth, of buying back your time with that perspective of just like, what would your ideal life look like? Mm -hmm. If you could spend however much time you want with your family, if you could take four weeks off of your business or work or whatever, if you didn't have to work anymore and you wanted to dedicate yourself to being a stay-at-home mom, like what type of power that can have on changing your life? Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot more people would be super excited to do the hard shit that is paying off debt and investing and like having that long-term perspective. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. But it's scary and it's hard. And when it gets hard, it's easier to stop. Just frankly, it is. It's easier to stop. It would have been easier for me on that day to say, you know what, Evan, you're right. Mommy's not going to do Inspire Budget anymore. That would be easier because I think in his mind, Inspire Budget was a four-letter word. You know, it was keeping him away from, from me. And in my mind, I was And maybe, and and, you know, part of me is guilty of that. It was, 
I'm not going to lie and say it was perfect. It was. I was trying my best and my best wasn't good enough for him. It was causing relationships to suffer. But ultimately, it was maybe six months later, maybe five months later that my husband and I said, okay, that's it. I'm going to finish out the school year and then I'm done. Because that, what could have been something that crushed me while it did crush me in that moment, also fueled me, fueled me to say, I'm not waiting five years. Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> this is happening sooner. Yeah. And ultimately it was it was fuel for me, fuel for my fire. You know, same thing like when we would pay off debt and we were paying off debt, we we're on this debt-free journey and we would get comments from friends and family like, y'all have so much. Is this really possible? And I'm like, watch me. Mm. You don't think it's possible? Watch me. And that <laughs> fuels me. I'm very – I don't – I'm not a competitive person, but I'm competitive with myself. And so I want to be better – when it comes to my money, when it comes to my you know, building wealth, when it comes to my family time, when it comes to my business, I want to be better than where I was before. And if somebody's calling me out for where I am now and be like, you better watch out because <laughs> we're about to take it up a notch. <laughs> you will recognize me in a couple of months. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I am a big proponent of the idea of financial self-care, right? Because like mm-hmm. oh, a lot of people yeah. talk about self-care being like yoga and green Bubble smoothies. Bath. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. But that's not doing anything to protect your mental health Mm -hmm. when it comes to the struggle of like not knowing, you know, how you're going to handle an emergency or like what if you have to take time off of work because you have some kind of health scare. So what does financial self-care mean to you and how do you actually exercise that in your own life? Financial self-care to me means knowing my truth. Knowing my truth in terms of what my money is doing, owning it, owning my actions, owning where I want my money to go and making sure I'm prioritizing things that are most important. So things that are most important for me is, you know, our emergency fund is set. We're good there. What's most important for me is prioritizing my future, saving for retirement. Then after that comes saving for kids college because, you know, I know I'm going to retire. I don't know if they're going to go to college. (laughs) Yes. I, you I cannot take make- out loans for retirement. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> you can't. So I feel like financial self-care for me looks like knowing my numbers and knowing my truth because honestly, I'm more confident and I have a lot less anxiety when I can just know, I just know the truth with it. Just mm-hmm. tell me the truth. I want to know it straight up. I don't want to live in this in this land where I just assume everything's going to be okay. If something's not okay, I want to now have action steps to put in place. Mm. So for me, it is is transparency in my marriage with money because you know we do have joint finances, and when you're when you're married, it it can complicate money, but it can also you know if you have good communication, it can sometimes make it a little bit easier because you have an accountability person. So it looks like transparency in my marriage with money, and it looks like transparency with myself with money, and I look forward to tracking my spending. I look forward to seeing where it's going. I look forward to the day after we get, I get paid as a business owner, which sometimes changes the amounts. Oh, how can I increase my income so that I can send more money to investments? How can I make sure that I, my income can cover all of our needs and wants and my husband's income can go straight, his entire paycheck can go to investments. Like that to me, that is financial self-care. Yes. (laughs) That is sexy as hell, by the way. Sending a whole paycheck to your investments. I mean, that is a vibe. I know. I love it. I love, I love it. That's our goal. We're getting close. Um, and then also being able to financial self-care looks like being able to spend money on things that I love and I want 
because I can and because there is room for it. So one of the things um, is that in a couple of days, my husband and I are going to Mexico. And I said, I want to charter a private catamaran for us. And he said, oh, that's unnecessary. I said, I don't care if it's unnecessary. <laughs> this is what I want to do. We have the money for it. This is where I want to be able to spend my money and I'm willing to put it there. And so for me, financial self-care also looks like spending money on things that bring me joy and happiness. And that is travel and experiences. Mm. And having the budget for it. Like it's you can spend all the money you want. Just make yes. sure you're allocating it for that purpose. Exactly. When he was like, isn't this expensive? I was like, here's why we can afford it. And I'm able to lay it all out. And he's like, oh, that's it? Like, we've got that. I'm like, yes, we do have this. And this is what I, you know, this, that is to me financial self-care. I love it. I, me and you are like right here. We're so, <laughs> so aligned with how we feel about money. And, you know, part of just like that power of knowing what it's doing also allows you to know what you can do with it for yes. fun. It's not all about just like, yeah, let me just go and pinch every penny and save every dollar for like the responsible things. You're working hard as hell. Like you should enjoy some yeah. of that money too. To me, as long as we're still hitting our other savings goals or exceeding them, even I'm like, look, I'm taking a private catamaran. And I told him, you can go with me or you don't have to, but I'm going on this private catamaran. <laughs> this is happening, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So if anybody's listening to the podcast right now and is feeling like, you know what, I want to be on the other side where Allison's mm -hmm. talking about, like, I want to be in that place where money is no longer the thing that is like keeping me from living my life, but I don't know where to start. What's mm -hmm. your best advice? My best advice is to know your truth, track your spending. When I got to that point, I was actually sitting in my childhood home on the floor in my room with my mom. And she took me through the first step of knowing my money truth. And that was going back and tracking my previous month's spending and really knowing how much money am I spending on bars and eating out and pedicures and how much am I actually spending on groceries that I'm eating. But, you know, I say that jokingly because I was in college and I was choosing to spend my money on all these things, but really truly knowing because you can't make an informed decision. You can't write a budget. You can't start doing all of these incredible things if you don't know where you stand. Get your foundation. It may not be pretty. You may not be happy with it, but just know, hey, this isn't where I have to be and this isn't where I'm going to be because I'm making the choice to move forward from here and make some changes with your spending, but you have to know where you're starting. And so print out your last month's bank statements, separate it into categories. How much did you spend on housing, utilities, food? You know, there's so many, you could just Google budget sheet and you could get all the list of different categories so that you now have a starting place. Yeah. You got to know with what you're working with so that you can then envision mm -hmm. what the future can look like if exactly. you get a handle on this. Absolutely. Okay. So I am also a big believer in like the mindset part of changing your money story. And so mm -hmm. I'm curious if you have any sort of mindset stuff or mantras that you tell yourself when you need that extra boost. Yes, I do. And it actually works for business as well. So I use this, you know, this can be used for money, it can use, be used for business, it can be used for a lot of different things. And I, I don't know who to give this quote to. I read it somewhere and I just wrote it down on a sticky note. And it's compare yourself to who you were yesterday not who other people are today. And 
I feel like it can be so easy to fall upon these articles. It's like, I paid off $90,000 in three months. And you're like, say what? Like I'm a teacher. I don't make, how is that even physically possible? It can be so easy to fall into that, but you're not comparing yourself to them. You don't need to compare yourself to who someone is today. Don't compare yourself to me where I am today. Instead, compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Are you making progress? And progress can be small. Progress can be, hey, I'm going to open my bank account. I'm going to check it. and I'm going to face the number that's staring right back at me. That is progress. That is being better, you know, comparing yourself to who you were yesterday today. I needed that message. So thank you. Because like you mentioned, in the entrepreneurship space, this oh. damn comparison game is so toxic. Everybody's like, you know, oh, I made a million dollars in two weeks. And yes. it's just like, okay, am I just not am I doing worthy of that? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's toxic as hell. So sometimes it really it, I just have to unmute people. I have to mute people. Yes. I have to just block that shit out until I'm in a better headspace. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, I struggle with that too. That's why it's sitting right here on my computer screen so that I can remember, I don't need to be comparing myself to anyone else. My journey is going to look different. Am I going as fast as other people? No, but you know what? I'm not them. And as someone else has also told me about this, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes in their life. See, I value working less. You know, I value working a 25 hour work week. So yeah, maybe someone's bringing in five times the income I'm bringing in, but they're working 90 hour weeks. No, thank you. Like, I don't value that. I value my time. I value my family. I value my trips and I would rather work less and move at my own pace, not a slower pace, my own pace. Mm. You're preaching to my soul, Allison. (laughs) Well, just know that I still struggle with it. And I talk about it a lot with my therapist. Okay, good, good. All right. So I'm not the only one. You're not the one. <laughs> so for people who want to find out more about you, find out about the Inspired Budget, follow your journey, where's the best place for us to find you? Well, if you're listening to a podcast, I have my own podcast, the Inspired Budget Podcast. You can search for it. Um, I'm also over on Instagram at Inspired Budget, or you can just go to inspiredbudget.com. Awesome. And so for folks that want to reach out to you to work with you, what sort of services do you offer your clients? That's a great question. So I actually have a membership. It's called the Inner Circle. And it is where I walk you through basically starting from zero. Starting from and starting from zero actually looks like setting goals and dreams, identifying your limiting money beliefs, learning how to write a budget, learning how to pay off debt, learning how to get back on track because life is going to happen and you're not incapable just because you got a flat tire and you weren't prepared for it, right? So I walk people through, I offer accountability specifically to women. It's really a women's only group, accountability to women who might not have accountability elsewhere. Um, And I just have this step-by-step program and we all work together and women pay off so much debt and they start investing and they truly change their lives through this program. So you can go to inspirebudget.com. There's information right there on the homepage all about that. Or send me an email, allison at inspirebudget.com. I love it. Thank you so much for being a very much needed voice of empathy and understanding in the personal finance space. I love everything that you're doing. Definitely check out the podcast, y'all, because if you love this episode, then you get so much more of her on that show. And just thank you for, for the work that you do. It's really inspiring. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer